Welcome to What's Up with Dr. Rupp, where we explore the supernatural. I'm your host, Dr. Melissa Rupp. Hi, and welcome to another episode. Um, so today we are going to talk about something that's in my new book. For those of you who don't know, I released my third book, a brand new book, um, a little over a week ago. It's called The War Between Two Worlds, A Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Warfare. So from that book, there's a topic that I talk about, about how demons influence behavior. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Um, I did do a prior podcast episode on whose voice are you listening to? That was episode five. That would be a, it would be a really good idea to go back and um, re-listen to that episode if you've not, um, if you've not listened to it for a while or if you've never listened to it, I highly recommend going and listening to that episode, episode five, whose voice are you listening to? So again, today we're going to talk about how demons can influence a person's behavior. And so, um, they can they can do it in a couple of different ways. They can do it internally when they have entered into a human being or an animal. We'll talk about that too. Um, or they can do it externally by whispering something to a person and trying to get you to come into agreement with um, a demon or trying to get you to um, do a behavior that you wouldn't necessarily do on your own. There are there are movies and cartoons, um, TV shows. And you may have seen these where they'll depict a person with an angel on one shoulder and a demon on the other shoulder. And they're both talking to the person and trying to influence the person's behavior. Well, this is really an example of art imitating life because this is what really does happen. We have demons trying to influence our behavior all the time. We have a very real spirit realm that we are dealing with, um, very real <laughs> demonic forces that we have to deal with. And we know from the Bible that demons can enter into human beings and they can enter into animals. In Mark 5, for example, um, Jesus told spirits, demonic spirits, to come out of a man. And when he did, the demons started talking to him and they, um, he, Jesus allowed those demons to enter into the pigs on the hillside. So they can, they can go into humans, they can go into animals and you know, we're supposed to cast out demons. That's one of the things that the Bible tells us followers of Jesus will heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. And so we have to know, um, you know, kind of how they operate, what, what kind of things they do to influence behavior. So this will probably just be, um, the first of a couple different ser you know, parts to a series that we'll do. We'll probably do more than one episode of this, but there are a lot of scriptural examples of deeming, demons being cast out of people and they have to be inside to be cast out. So they have to be able to enter in. Now, a Christian cannot be possessed by demons because they have the Holy Spirit living inside of their spirit. They can be oppressed by demons and they can have demons come into them, enter in and, and can influence their behavior and then they have to be cast out. So, Matthew 10, Mark 16, there's other examples where the Bible tells us that followers of Jesus, believers in Jesus, will heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons. And so there's lots of different examples in scripture about how demons can influence the behavior of people and animals. Um, there was the little boy who the demons actually threw him, you know, they tried to drown him. They tried to throw him into the fire. They caused seizures. There's um, demons that um, affected the woman who was bent over for 18 years. There was a spirit of infirmity affecting her and causing her to be bent over in her body. Her back was bent over. But we see too about behavior, how um, different behaviors were 
um, caused by demonic influence. So um, we're talking about King Saul in in 1 Samuel 16, we see how King Saul was influenced by a demonic spirit to try to murder David. So King Saul's behavior and his attitude were changed and influenced because of this evil spirit. So in 1 Samuel 16, we see where an evil spirit from the Lord tormented Saul. And Saul's attendants said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play when the evil spirit comes on you and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the spirit came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. So we know that there's an evil spirit who is tormenting him. When, um, when David played music, the spirit would leave and depart. And then a little bit later on in 1 Samuel 19, it says, But an evil spirit came on Saul as he was sitting in his house with his spear in his hand. While David was playing the lyre, Saul tried to pin him to the wall with his spear, but David eluded him as Saul drove the spear into the wall. So this evil spirit influenced him to try to actually murder David. It influenced his behavior to try to murder him. It was a murderous spirit. And then in Judas, uh, or with in Luke 22, Judas, his behavior was influenced by a demonic spirit. And it actually says that Satan entered into Judas to influence his behavior so that he would betray Jesus. So this is Luke 22 verses 1 through 6. And it says, the festival of unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching and the chief priest and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas called Iscariot, one of the 12, and Judas went to the chief priest and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. So it says Satan entered Jesus to influence his behavior to get him to betray Jesus. So another example of a demonic spirit influencing behavior. Um, the case of Ananias, or Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5. It says that their behavior was influenced um, by demons and that they were influenced to lie. So um, it says, A man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not just lied to human beings, but to God. So he is calling it out and he is saying, so Peter's calling it out and saying, Satan influenced you and caused you to lie. How did you let that happen? So demons can influence our behavior so that we will 
be deceptive to people. Um, and then Peter in Matthew 16, 23, um, Jesus actually um, was, well, he was having a conversation with Peter and Peter said something and it was Peter speaking, but Jesus rebuked Satan because he knew that Satan was the one who was influencing Peter and what to say. And so he realized, you know, with the words of it being Satan, he rebuked Satan to Peter, to Peter. And we have to remember, you know, Ephesians 6 says that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against other humans. Our, our battle is behind the demons who influence the behavior of people. And so when we fight in spiritual warfare and when we're fighting demons, we, we don't fight directly with the person. We have to go to the spirit that's behind the problem. We have to deal with the spirit that's there. So, um, with Peter in Matthew 16, 23, it says from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never Lord. He said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So he realized that it wasn't Peter speaking. And he said, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. And he rebuked him. Um, and then we have in Mark 5, the example I gave at the very beginning with the gathering demoniac. So Jesus told the spirits to come out of the man but he did allow them to enter into the pigs and these demonic spirits were actually causing him to act crazy. He was running around the tombs, living in the tombs, but running around naked, cutting himself. And it says that when he was delivered, so when those demons were cast out, that he was clothed and in his right mind again. So he had, you know, he wasn't even in his right mind. His mind was the demonic spirit influenced his mind and his brain and his thinking and his behavior. So in Mark 5, it says they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran fell on his knees in front of him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. So Jesus gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. So again, spirits are in this man. Jesus commands them, come out, and he allows them to go into the pigs. So they go into the pigs, and when they go into the pigs, we'll get to that in a second, but it says that there were 2,000. So it says the herd about 2,000 in number. So there were at least 2,000 demons in this man. There was a legion of demons, so at least 2,000. And 
just want to tell you that if one man can have a legion of demons in him, we can ask for a legion of angels to help us in times of trouble and warfare. Okay. So pigs, let's get to the pigs. <clears throat> demons can influence not just people, but they can also influence animals. Okay. So how did the demons influence the behavior of these animals? They, when they entered into the pigs, they caused the pigs to go down the cliff into the sea and drown. Now, they can influence other animals and their behavior. Um, I've heard different stories about, you know, animals and when animals were rebuked and what happened um, with that and people believing that demons were in them. And I actually had my very own experience where that happened. Um, one of our neighbors, they have a big dog and it came charging at me one day. And I think I've told the story in here probably a couple of times now, but for those who haven't heard it, big dog, neighbor's dog comes charging at me bark and growling as if it's going to attack me. And I, I just stuck my finger out and I leaned forward and I said, in the name of Jesus and, or in Jesus name, one of the two. Um, <laughs> but I didn't even finish the sentence. I just got out like in Jesus name. And I was going to rebuke the dog or the spirit. Cause I, I had a feeling there was a demonic spirit involved. So I started out saying in Jesus name and immediately <laughs> The dog turned around, did a 180, and went back the other direction. I didn't even have to finish the sentence. So that is a way that demons can influence the behavior of an animal. Um, I do want to say, though, Satan is limited in, by, in his power right now because Jesus went to the cross. He won back the power and authority from mankind. So Satan is now limited in his power, and a lot of times it's by what we allow, either knowingly or unknowingly. And many times his power is gained by um, what he can talk us into through giving us different temptations and, and, you know, whispering, trying to get us to, you know, fall into a temptation or whispering to us a lie and getting us to come into agreement with one of his lies. Or if he whispers something and if we don't take our authority and we don't forbid what he is trying to do, like Satan will a lot of times broadcast ahead of time what his plans are and what he's going to do. And if we don't forbid what we hear him say, then it's like we're giving him permission because we don't forbid it. And so if we hear him saying something that he wants to do, we can speak up, use our authority and say, no, I forbid that in Jesus name, devil, you will not steal, kill or destroy in my life. Um, so forbidding what we hear is really, really important. Um, I don't know if I've told the story on here, but one time my son was traveling with um, his uh, sporting team to an event. He had a game. They were there. They were all traveling together and you know, the vans for the school and we had bad weather and I heard something whispered to me along the lines of, I hope they don't get into an accident. And I didn't immediately recognize that it was the enemy. I, th I thought it was just my own thought at first. And so I didn't immediately recognize that it was the enemy until I very clearly heard God say, don't you dare give him permission. And so I just, I just had it dropped into my spirit that that was the enemy and that to not give him permission, I needed to actually speak out and forbid the, that activity. And so, um, I just took my authority, spoke out loud. I said, I forbid them from getting in any accidents in Jesus name. And then I just thanked God for keeping them safe and for sending angels and, you know, just prayed for God to protect them. But I felt like not only was it important to pray and ask God to keep them safe, but it was important to take my authority, speak out loud and say, no, I forbid 
any accidents in Jesus' name. So the same thing kind of works when um, God gives us warning dreams a lot of times, and he'll give us warning dreams not to put us into fear and not necessarily because it's a prophetic dream, but he'll give us a warning dream because he's telling us what the enemy's plans are. And when we pray, we can, um, we can prevent that. So we can pray and ask God to um, prevent that situation, and we can pray and take our authority and command um, the, you know, the enemy to not do that activity, to cease that plan. Um, we, you know, we can forbid that activity. So whatever the warning dream is that God gives us, we can, you know, pray about what He's warned about. The calamity that was warned about does not have to happen. We have the the power through prayer to stop it. We can speak out loud that we're forbidding the enemy from doing anything. Um, fear is one of the big things that the enemy does. He tries to influence people's behavior through fear. And he does that by, he'll whisper lies to us or he'll whisper things to us. And it's always like that worst case scenario. Um, people in marketing and sales, they know that fear sells. Like if they can, they can try to sell you a product and by getting you into fear, fear sells and things will sell quicker and, and faster and easier and for more money if there's a fear element involved. And so um, things like survival food, survival equipment, safety gear, um, not that safety gear isn't good, but the enemy will try to get us into fear. So we will make an irrational, fear-based, quick decision that we normally wouldn't have made quite so quickly, not so impulsively, may not have even made at all. But because of fear, the enemy will really try to influence our behavior. Um, so some of the things that the, the enemy can whisper, he'll whisper different statements to try to get you into fear. This, these statements can be true or not. They can be totally, I, I know one time the enemy, this is as crazy and irrational as this sounds. We had an in-ground pool at our old house and sometimes it would get really cloudy and uh, because the chemicals were, it was such a big pool and it was really hard to keep the chemicals straight with it. It was, we were constantly having problems with that pool, but because it was cloudy and you couldn't always see the bottom, the chemicals, you know, would read that it was safe to swim in it, but it was kind of cloudy. So you couldn't see into the bottom of the pool. Well, the enemy would come to me with these irrational things trying to whisper, there's a shark in, in the pool. Don't swim because there's a shark in the pool. And I'm like, what? <laughs> in the world. There's no way a shark would be in our pool. It's fresh water. It's not salt water. Uh, they would have to have like helicoptered the shark in and dropped it into our, like dropped it into the pool, totally irrational. But the enemy was trying to bring this fear about swimming in the pool because there was a shark in it. Like totally bizarre. I know I'm aware of it, <laughs> but I know. Yeah, we will just stop there. But the enemy will whisper really bizarre, irrational things to try to get you into fear to influence your behavior and get you to act irrationally. So some of the things he'll try to whisper to you just to, to try to get you into fear. Like, oh no, I've lost my wallet or my checkbook or my purse or my keys. And then he'll have you like just totally in a panic because you think you've lost something that's really important that you don't want other people to get their hands on. Um, He'll come to you with lies saying, it's really snowing out. I hope my spouse, child, parent doesn't get into an accident. Um, he'll come to you with fear very, very often based around money. I don't know how I'm going to pay all my bills this month. 
Um, he'll come to you with things with sickness and he'll, it's always very irrational and blown out of proportion. And it's always like the worst case scenario. Like if you have a rash, he'll whisper lies to you. I think this rash is skin cancer or, you know, whatever, an, a breast cancer. Um, so he'll come to you with lies like that, trying to get you into fear. So some things that we can say back to the enemy to respond in response to the lies above. First of all, Anytime the devil comes to us with a lie, we can rebuke it and counter it with the truth. So when a lie comes, we counter it with the truth of the word of God. You know, there's a lot of things with the truth of God, like perfect love cast out fear. We have not been given a spirit of fear, but we've given a spirit of love and a sound mind and, and power. We've been given power. We've been given power and authority to deal with the enemy and his tactics. Um, by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. No plague can come near my dwelling. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Like we have so many promises that we can stand on. Um, you know, scripture about being prosperous and, you know, how Jesus wants us wants us to prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. So we have all these promises in the word that we can stand on and we can counter the lies with the truth of the word. So some of those lies, like the ones I just mentioned. So, you know, if you've, if you've lost something important, you can say, okay, Lord, um, I'm asking you to, you know, show me where that item is to keep it safe. If it is missing to get it returned to me safely with nothing missing. Um, if, if the enemy comes to you with a lie, like, I hope my spouse doesn't get in a car accident, you can say, I forbid any accidents in Jesus' name, and then, you know, pray and thank God for keeping them safe and protected and for sending angels. Um, if the enemy is coming to you with lies about money, and I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills, and, okay, counter that with, with God is my provider. He will provide. It says that he provides all our needs according to his, his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And so then you can also speak and say, I forbid any lack. And I thank you, God, for the abundance and the prosperity. Um, if the enemy comes to you with a lie with, you know, I think this rash is cancer. I forbid any cancer in Jesus name. I command every enemy and rash to go away in Jesus name. Um, but Jesus stripes, I'm healed. No plague will come near my dwelling. Fear. Anytime there is fear involved, it is a spirit of fear. And you can say, spirit of fear, I command you to be quiet and go away in Jesus' name. Shut your mouth and disappear. Um, God has not given us that spirit of fear. That comes from the enemy and we have authority over it. So the enemy will often also try to get us into a sinful behavior. So he will whisper things to us, trying to get us to come into agreement with him or trying to get us to fall into a sinful behavior, um, such as like offense or unforgiveness. Sometimes, you know, if, if somebody says something to us and it hurts our feelings, the enemy will replay, you know, that thought. He'll cause us to replay that thought over and over and over again and to get into offense against the person. Um, he, the enemy will affect our behavior to lie, to gossip, to slander, to backbite another person. Um, he'll try to um, tempt you into different sins like adultery, sexual sins, trying to get you to watch pornography, um, abuse towards another person, any kind of abuse. It can be physical, verbal, emotional. Um, he will try to influence your behavior to, uh, to abuse another person or to bully another person, um, to, to like dominate and manipulate and control another person. Um, things like um, gluttony, substance abuse, um, influencing you to overspend or to gamble or to steal. That's all from the enemy. Everything that is a sin, any temptation to sin comes from the enemy. It doesn't come from God. And if we are saved, 
we're filled with the Holy Spirit is not then in our nature. We are then righteous. So we become righteous when we receive Jesus as Savior and we repent of our sins, then we're righteous. But the enemy will try to come tempt us to fall back into sin. And so anytime a temptation comes to sin, it's the enemy. And with Adam and Eve, he used temptation. He used the promise of gaining wisdom to sway Eve into eating the forbidden fruit in Genesis 3. So it was a temptation. And he's like, hey, you're going to get this wisdom if you eat this tree or this fruit from this tree. So he tried to use the same tactic of temptation with Jesus in the wilderness. Um, he promised power, wealth, and rulership to Jesus in Matthew 4. But he'll whisper little things to us, little temptations, um, little lies, hoping that we'll come into agreement with him or that we'll be tempted to sin and, and come into agreement with, you know, again, one of his lies or an accusation against another person. So we'll fall into like offense or backbiting or slander or one of those things. So I would say one of the most common areas of attack comes from the enemy speaking to see what we will come into agreement with. And Joyce Meyer, she's a Christian author and speaker. She wrote a book called Battlefield of the Mind. I haven't actually read this book, um, but I've heard about the book and it's called Battlefield of the Mind. And that is so often where the battle takes place because the enemy will whisper these lies. We'll hear it in our, you know, we'll hear it with our ears, we'll hear it in our thoughts. And then we have to constantly be on guard so we don't come into agreement. The, the battle is in our mind, it's in our thoughts. And so we have to constantly be on alert, be aware of what we're hearing, who's speaking it. So that's why I say go back and listen to that podcast episode number five. Whose voice are you listening to? Because God will speak to us. We do have our own thoughts. But the enemy comes all the time speaking to us, <laughs> trying to influence us. So we want to make sure that we're taking any ungodly thoughts captive. Second Corinthians 10.5 talks about that. And we want to demolish any strongholds and strongholds are false beliefs that have been established in us. And that comes from 2 Corinthians 10, 4. So you can go look that up and study that if you'd like to. But the enemy can um, influence the behavior of other people. He can influence our behavior. So there are certain things that we can do. We've talked a little bit about this. So the Bible says when we resist the devil, he has to flee. So we want to resist the enemy. We want to resist those lies. We want to... Um, so there's also something else that's it's talk there's somebody has talked about like when you what you feed grows. So we don't want to feed the enemy by coming into agreement with him. We want to starve him out. So if our behavior would be something that would feed the enemy. So say for example, um the enemy is trying to tempt you to go gamble. You would not want to give into that temptation. The 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 as many times as you can resist it. When, every time you resist it, you are, you're not feeding it, then you are starving it out. So that spirit will eventually go. You resist the devil and he'll flee. So we want to stay out of agreement with the enemy. And this is why it's really important too, to know the word, to know what the word says. Because when you know the word, then you can really readily recognize when it's the enemy coming and what, and with, you know, with something that's not okay. So um, we want to stay out of agreement with the enemy. We can tell him to be quiet and go away. Um, if you hear him whisper something to you, again, you can forbid what you are hearing him say that he wants to do. You can just for forbid it and say, no, in Jesus name, you can't do that. I don't, I don't allow it. I forbid it. Um, if you are having trouble resisting the enemy, trying to starve him out, trying to resist him. So hopefully if you're having trouble with that, there are some things that you can do to strengthen you, strengthen your willpower, um, praying, 
Praying is super, super powerful, especially praying in tongues, because praying in tongues will edify you, it will build you up. But I know that also praying in tongues, I've had demons leave. I felt, you know, different oppressive things leave by praying in tongues. So deliverance comes when you pray in tongues. Fasting, fasting can help with that process. It can help it go quicker. The Bible says that when we fast and pray, our, our prayers are answered more quickly when we fast. Um, worship, praise and worship praising the Lord, worship music. That's super powerful. It can help you in resisting the enemy. Reading your Bible, especially reading it out loud because demons do not like to heal, hear the word um, read or spoken out loud. And so when you when you read the Bible, especially out loud, it's really powerful. It can help you to resist the enemy. It'll, it'll get him to go. But another thing that happens is when you read the Bible, when you um, speak the truth of the word, there's power in the truth. You know, there's, I, I don't really have the, the verbiage to explain it, but there is power in truth. Um, you know, truth can really break the power of those, uh, of the enemy, the break, just break that power down. But it also says that when we, um, when we speak the word, then angels will hear what we say and they'll go on assignment to help us. So when we're praying something that's in line with the word, like, no, you know, prosperity is mine. We're supposed to be abundant and live a life of prosperity. Then when we speak that out loud and speak it to the enemy, we're not just speaking it to the enemy. We're speaking it to the entire spirit realm, that mean, and which means angels. So when they hear the voice of God, they will hearken to it and they'll go on assignment to help bring that prosperity to us or whatever the thing may be. Um, and then just keep standing, keep resisting, you know, we're supposed to, to stand, put on our armor. And when all that we, there's left to do is to stand, then you still stand. You just keep standing and resisting to the best of your ability. So those are some things that you can do. You do gain authority over what you resist. So every time you resist something, you gain authority over it. And so it may not just be you that you are fighting for. This is important and somebody needs to hear this. It may not be just you that you are fighting for when you are resisting something. When you get free, you have the authority to help other people get free and you can cast those demons out of other people. If you're trying to cast a demon out of somebody else that you're in agreement with, it's not going to work. But you might be able to, by, by you breaking a generational pattern, by you having the willpower and the strength to resist the enemy, you could set generations free by you taking that stand and resisting the enemy. Um, so again, this topic, it is something that I cover extensively in my new book. There is, there's an entire chapter on the enemy's tactics and how he influences behavior. So again, my, my new book is called The War Between Two Worlds, A Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Warfare. It's available on Amazon. Um, you're probably your best bet when you go to Amazon is not to type in the title, but to type in my name, Melissa Rupp. Um, so if you type in my name, then it's going to pop up a lot quicker and you won't have to scroll through different pages. But um, there is a separate study guide that you can purchase as well to go along with that if you want to, you know, use that for any kind of a group study or anything like that. But seriously, go back and listen to episode five. Whose voice are you listening to? It will be really, really helpful. Or if you've never heard it, go listen to it. It's, it's It'll help you out a lot. For those of you who feel led to donate to my ministry, I so appreciate you. Um, you can go to melissarupp.com. There are links to no, donate through different 
different um, avenues. There's, you know, PayPal, Venmo. I've signed up with quite a few now. So um, melissarup.com. And um, we'll catch you on the next one. I do have um, a Facebook page for this group, um, a Facebook group page for this podcast. So if you want to go to Facebook, there's a group called What's Up with Dr. Rupp. It's a public group. You can you can join that if you'd like and stay up to date on, on the episodes. But until um, till next week, I will see you then and we'll continue on with this topic. Be blessed. Thanks for listening. Join me next time as we continue to explore the supernatural on What's Up with Dr. Rupp.